0: If you got your Bibles this morning, turn to Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter number one. You know, Wednesday night, we started a study in the book of Romans. We just finished up our study in the book of James, and it took us a long time, okay? We were joking that, uh, I think Commander Seth might have stepped out with the offering, but uh, our Royal Rangers, which is our little boy class that gets together every Wednesday, they got a James merit, and, and uh, Jared, it only took y'all about a month. Well, it took us grown-ups about six months to get our James merit, okay? I think it was more Miss Chantel's fault than I, because I go a lot quicker than she does, okay? She's giving me that look, okay? I got to watch it because I got to go home with her. Okay? But, uh, but we started a new, uh, a, new, a new book of the Bible. We're starting the book of Romans. And I love the book of Romans because it's got a lot of truth in it. It's got a lot of good. I mean, it's basically rock solid gospel. It's an amazing book. And we started that study with our adults on Wednesdays. And, and if, um, if you have a chance to come join us on a Wednesday night, you need to. Now, this Wednesday night, we're not going to be doing adult Bible study because we are doing what? Trunk or treat, very good. We're doing trunk or treat, okay? And we, we're excited about that. It's going to be a great opportunity to love on our community, love on our family and friends. So come on out on Wednesday night. But uh, after that Wednesday night, we're going to get back to our regular schedule where we have youth group, we have missionettes, we have rangers, and of course, we have adult Bible study. So, Romans chapter number one, there's a little portion of scripture that jumped out at me as I was studying for Wednesday night, and, and it's going to serve as our text for our message this morning. In verses 14-17 through 17 of Romans chapter number 1, Paul makes three I am statements that summed up his life, that summed up his life purpose, his life mission, and it served as an introduction to the letter uh, uh, to the church at Rome. But I believe that these three statements can also present a challenge to you and I as we walk with Christ, as we choose to grow in Christ. By the way, you notice I said choose to grow in Christ. It's a choice, amen. You know, we naturally grow older. How many have figured that one out? We all get older, okay. Our, our hairstyles change, okay. Our, our our hair turns gray. Our our uh, our pants don't fit like they used to, okay. Nick, those days we used to flex in the mirror. Now we just avoid mirrors, okay. And um, you know, I. I I have a son, Hayden, who who does not like shirts, okay? And if I look like that, I wouldn't like shirts either, okay? I mean, as soon as the ball game's over, he's taking his shirt off and there's a bunch of little girls giggling right now, okay? But okay, but 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 if I look like that, I I I might try to preach without a shirt on. I know that would be offensive, but 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 again, you know, but things change. My goodness, things change. How many know things change, okay? Well, here's the deal, guys. You have to choose to grow in Christ. You just naturally get older. You keep having birthdays, Jamie, and you'll keep getting older, okay? All right? But you have to choose to grow in Christ. You have to choose to discipline yourself and do things God's way. You have to make that choice. So if you've made that choice, I think today can help you out a whole, whole lot. If you've yet to make that choice, today can help you out as well because these three I am statements are challenging to the core of who we are. So let's pray, and then let's read it. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask you today, Lord God, to open up our hearts to receive from you. I pray today that you'd help me to communicate this message in a way that would be a blessing and an encouragement to this great church tonight. And I just ask that you'd touch us and you'd challenge us and you would help us to choose to grow in you. Touch us today. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody would say... Amen. Amen. Romans chapter number 1, this is Paul's uh, letter to the church at Rome. It was a real strong church. Uh, Paul was uh, wanting to try to get to Rome. He eventually did, but this is prior to him getting to Rome. So he's writing a letter, and he's uh, introducing himself. And this is how he chooses to introduce himself in verses 14 through 17. Paul says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Three I am statements that Paul made. Number one, I am a debtor. Number two, I am ready. And number three, I am not ashamed. I am a debtor. I am ready. I am not ashamed. Three things that Paul chose to introduce himself to the church at Rome, and I believe three challenges to you and I today. So let's get started. Number one, Paul stated, I am a debtor. I am a debtor. The word debtor means to owe, to be obligated, to be bound by duty. Guys, we're all debtors. We understand debt, okay? How many still owe the bank for your house, okay? How many still owe the bank for a car or two or a boat or some toy, okay? It happens. We understand that. That means you are obligated to pay them, okay? If you don't come pay them, they come get their stuff, okay? That's not a fun day, okay? We're debtors. We understand what it means to owe somebody, to be bound by duty. Paul's indebtedness was twofold. Number one, it was to God. Paul recognized that he was indebted to God. You see 1 Timothy 1:15 1 Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. Paul realized that he owed God a whole lot. He realized that his life was a wreck before he met the Lord. Turn with me to Rome, to Acts chapter number 8. I want to tell you the story or read you the story rather of Paul's conversion, of Paul's amazing turnaround. You know, I wish time permitted for us to tell of some of the amazing turnarounds of people seated in this room today. There are some amazing life change stories. There are some amazing stories of God's grace, God's mercy, and God's power. Norma, your story is amazing, sweetie. So good to see you this morning. Glad you're feeling good. Dawn, your story is amazing. Even Miss Chantel, who grew up in church, has a pretty amazing story. You know, the same God that saves you is the same God that can keep you. The same God that brings people like Fabian Gill out of an amazing, uh, who has a great testimony, is the same God whose grace has kept Miss Chantel close to the Lord all of her life. You know... I remember one time I went on a missions trip with some kids and and we were we were we were writing up our testimonies. okay? and man, I had some bad kids in my youth group, Brother Ronnie. So they had some good testimonies. And there's this one sweet little girl, Jill. Do you remember this, Sean? Jill played the piano. Jill sung in church. Sister Garland, she was an amazing little girl. And she's 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 kind of stumped. And I went to her and I said, Jill, what's the matter? And she said, I don't have a testimony. I said, whoa, baby, wait a second. Well, I I read what God did in this girl's life and what God did in this boy's life and, and what God did in your life, Pastor Mo, and I don't have a story like that. I said, Jill, baby, your story trumps mine. Your story trumps anybody else's because you have served God every day of your life. And the same grace that delivered me, the same grace that changed me is the same grace that kept you. Why am I telling that story? Because some of you in here, you think, I don't have much of, much of a testimony. I need to go do all kinds of stupid stuff. No, you do not, <laughs> okay? No, you do not. Just yesterday, we were having a conversation with our boys about not doing stupid stuff. Jared, you ever have those conversations with the kids? Don't do nothing stupid. Miss Chantel's favorite saying is, don't embarrass Jesus and don't embarrass the Seneca's, okay? And I don't think they did, okay? I haven't heard any stories yet, okay? But here's the deal guys, we all have a testimony. Paul's testimony is an amazing story. So let's look at it in Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8, verse number 1. It says, now when we read the word Saul, that's Paul. Saul and Paul, same person. And Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about the death of Stephen. And at that time, there were great persecution against the church at Jerusalem. They were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc in the church, entered into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. That doesn't sound very good. That doesn't sound like a guy we want to come visit our church this morning. Amen? The guy was, was wreaking havoc on the church. He was not a good guy to have around. Chapter number 9, something amazing happens in Saul's life. It says in verse number 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest." Desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he had found any in the way, whether they be men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecuteth. It is hard for you to continue to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and astonished, saying, Lord, what will you have me to do? The Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what you must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him unto Damascus, verse 9. And he was three days without sight, and neither did he eat or drink. You see, Paul's conversion is an amazing story in the Bible. It's called the Damascus Road Experience, it's called the, the amazing turnaround in Paul's life. This was Saul's conversion. And with the same passion he once tried to persecute and destroy the early church, he went about now building the early church. In fact, he went on to write more than half of the New Testament. Well, that's a pretty good turnaround. That's a guy that wanted nothing to do with the church, but to destroy it, all of a sudden gave his life to building the church. That's the kind of turnaround stories that God always does. And Paul recognized that he owed God. (laughs) He recognized that he owed God for that grace and that mercy that God had showed him. How many in here recognize that you owe God as well? Man, think about where you'd be today if not for the grace of God. Some of you would not be breathing today if not for the grace of Almighty God. Friends, we owe God. We owe God. Just as much as Paul the apostle owed God, we owe God. But Paul realized that his debt was not only to God, it was also to others. You see, Paul stated his indebtedness to the whole known world. And his desire to accomplish Acts 1 and 8 that says we should be witnesses unto Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And Mark 16 and 15, which is the great commission that says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Paul realized that he owed something not only to God, but to others. You and I should feel the same way. We owe it to others to tell them the good news of John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Guys, this experience that many of us in here have had with Jesus, it's not just for us. It's for others. Well, pastor, I wouldn't know what to say. Just tell them your story. Just tell them your story. Jamie, just tell them your story. You know, folks that know you know, they've seen a difference in your life. See, that's the most important testimony you have, Sister Valley, is a changed life. Okay? Man, there, there were some of you in here that, boy, if folks used to cross you. You'd tell them off, wouldn't you? Boy, you would give them a piece of your mind. Nobody would mess with you. But now you're different. God has changed you. Okay? Okay? I'm glad God changed some of you. I couldn't pastor some of you before you were changed, okay? You wouldn't let me. You wouldn't let nobody tell you what to do. But isn't God good? And we owe it to God and we owe it to others to tell them about this good news. To tell them about the good news of Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 8, that says, For by grace have you been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. How many in here like gifts? Come on now, just making sure you're awake. I love gifts, guys. Hunter just had a birthday, and we're doing a little party for him, and he probably expects a gift or two, right? You expect a gift or two, okay? He's got family here, and he hopes they came and brought gifts, okay? Because gifts are awesome. But did he do anything to earn that gift? No. Jamie, you're probably hoping for a gift or two, but, buddy, all you did was turn a day older. You didn't do anything to earn them, but you get them anyhow. Why? Because people who give you gifts love you. Nobody loves us more than God. And he gave us the greatest gift that was ever given. His son, Jesus. Verse number 9, not of works lest any man should boast. For you and I, verse 10 says, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God before hath ordained that we should walk in them. Guys, we owe God and we owe others. We owe others to tell them the good news. Like Paul, you and I are all debtors. Second thing Paul said is Paul said, I'm ready. I'm ready for what? Some of you are ready for the preacher to stop preaching, okay? But Paul was ready to do what God had called him to do. Paul was ready to accomplish his God-given purpose, which was to preach the gospel. Did you know that God has unique purposes and plans for every one of you in here today? John uh, Jeremiah 29:11 says, "For I know the plans I have for you saith the Lord, Plans to prosper you and not to harm you to give you a hope and a future." That is a promise for Sister Valley. That is a promise for Sister Annabelle. That is a promise for you, Mama. So glad that you're here today. It's a promise for every one of us in here today. It's a promise for Pastor Tommy. It's a promise for Pastor Mo. And it's a promise for everybody in Kids Church today. God has plans and purposes for every one of us. And it's up to us to walk into those things. You know what, guys? Some of you know that that as your pastor, I have a pre-med degree. I was on my way to medical school. Brother Irwin, that was my plan. I was going to be a doctor, okay? And we need good doctors, and I thank God for good doctors. But God's plan for me was a little different. And I submit to you, 25 years into God's plan, God's plan was better than any plan I could have had. Amen? God's plan is so much better than anything you could ever think of. Isaiah 55 says that his ways are higher than your ways, his thoughts higher than your thoughts. His plans are always good. And that's why we got to trust him. Teenager, trust God with your plans. Hunter, I know you have some amazing plans. And I want you to go to LSU and I want you to be an engineer. I want you to do all those things. But if God wants something different, buddy, trust him. Trust God with your plans. Amen? Trust God because his plans are so much greater than anything we could ever have. Paul said, I'm ready. I'm ready to do what God has called me to do. You and I need to be just as ready. Amen? You and I need to be just as ready to do what God has called us to do passionately and effectively. If you're called to preach, then preach. If you're called to teach, then teach. If you're called to work at LAPCO, work at LAPCO. If you're called to drive a truck, be the best truck driver God ever seen. Whether you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a nurse, you're a student, you're a secretary, you're a mechanic, or you're a general laborer, do as unto the Lord... Whatever you do, giving glory to God. Use those giftings, use those talents, use those abilities that God has given you to bring glory and honor unto him. Guys, Paul was ready to do what he was called to do. Are you and I ready? Now, you know what? As Christians, all of us are called to preach the good news. All of us are called to tell people about Jesus. Now, maybe it's not like I'm called to tell people about Jesus. Maybe you don't get up here and proclaim the gospel like I do on a regular basis. But, but, but you have an opportunity. You have a requirement to do something for God. 1 Peter chapter number 3. Very simple piece of scripture. 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 15 Peter writes this, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Basically, make sure he's number one. Make sure you're doing things God's way and be ready. There's that word ready again. And be ready always to what? Give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. That's basically saying be ready to tell the good news. Be ready to give a reason. Sister Karen, when people ask you, what's different about you? What's different? Why are? What's different about your candidate? <laughs> what's different about your platform? What's different about what's going on in your life? See, you and I, as Christians, when everybody else is losing their mind, we shouldn't be. When everybody else is losing hope, we shouldn't, because our hope is not in man. Our hope is not in a politician. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Guys, so when people ask you, what's different about you? It's not you, Dawn. It's Him. It's Him. It's God in you. Be ready to give an answer. Be ready to tell Him about the hope that's in you. Be ready to tell Him what made all the difference in your life. You know, I tell people all the time, if it wasn't for Jesus, I'm not... Before Jesus, I wasn't a lot of fun to be around. Just ask my wife, okay? Just ask my friends. A couple of weeks ago, I had a chance to do a wedding for a high school friend of mine, and Nick, I made this statement that he was always a better friend to me than I ever was to him because I was a jerk. And he kind of smiled and laughed because I was. But then I met Jesus. Now, I met Chantel first, and she started the process, okay? But then God completed the process. By the way, I'm still not a completed project, in case you're wondering, okay? God's still working on me, but he's still working on you too. But we've got to trust the process. And we've got to be ready to give an answer. We've got to be ready to tell somebody about the hope that we have in God. Paul said, I'm a debtor. Paul said, I'm ready. And finally, he said, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. Let's read verses... 16 through 17. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see, Paul was not ashamed but honestly, Paul had every reason to be ashamed. Consider these things. The days in which Paul lived in those, na- uh, in those times were known for no- moral debauchery. Rome was a moral sewer under the emperor Nero. It was absolutely crazy. You think the times we live in are vile? The times Paul lived in were even worse. Paul was a Jew, secondly. A male... Th- um, <clears throat> A race thought by many to be subhuman, worthy only of abuse and enslavement. Paul didn't have that going for him. When he was writing to Rome, when he was writing to Romans, being a Jew was not a good thing. Thirdly, the gospel itself was almost unbelievable. Consider this. A male Jew, said to be the savior of the world, said to be the son of God, came to this earth, died as a ransom for sin for all mankind, and rose from the dead. That's what Paul is saying. That is what Paul is trying to communicate in those days. Boy, he had reason to kind of be ashamed, didn't he? Fourthly, Paul and his message had been been oftentimes rejected before. Did you realize that Paul was arrested in Philippi? He was run out of town in Thessalonica. He he had his life threatened in Berea. He was laughed at in Athens. But after all this, he still stated, I am not ashamed. Guys, we got to make up our mind no matter what we're going through, no matter what the times may be, no matter what everybody else is doing, we make up our mind that we're not ashamed, that we're going to do things God's way. You know, guys, just last night, we got together in the Seneca bedroom, and we had a little talk with our boys, okay? Because, you know, it's homecoming, and we're encouraging them to make good decisions. And for the most part, I think they did. And, and, and we had a couple rules, and, and, and we even had a curfew, okay? We had a curfew, and, and, and my wife made a very profound statement. She said, I will not apologize for being different. I will not apologize for not condoning some of the behavior that other people seem to condone. Why does she say that? Because we're different. Guys, you and I as Christians are supposed to be different. We're not supposed to act like the world. We're not supposed to talk like the world. We're supposed to be different. Now look, guys, are you going to be perfect? No, you're not going to be perfect. But you better be different. Okay? And when you mess up, own it. When you mess up, own it and ask God to forgive you and then go ask that person to forgive you. Try to do things differently. You know what, guys? I'm often apologizing, okay? Why? Because I mess up, okay? I often go back and apologize to people for things I've said or things I've done. That's just the practice of humility that all of us as Christians should have. You need to try to make things right with God and make things right with others. But we're supposed to be different and not be ashamed of that fact. You don't have to be ashamed either. Like Paul, you don't have to be ashamed. Because in 2 Timothy chapter number 1, he gives us some some words of encouragement. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. He says, he gives us some encouragement. Some great encouragement. You know, the Bible is so good, so full of encouragement. It's so good for all of us. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, let's read in verse number 7. Paul is writing to young Timothy. He's writing to his young protege. He's writing to someone he's trying to pour his life into. And he says this, and you know this scripture so well. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, not of me, nor of me as a prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. You see, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. God gave you a purpose, and God gave you power. Now it's up to you to use it. It's up to you to not be ashamed. It's up to you to make up your mind that as Christians, we're going to be different. We're going to live different. We're going to talk different. We are different. So why was Paul not ashamed, and why should you and I not be ashamed? Let's keep on reading in chapter number one. You see, Paul says, do not be ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the what? power of God. It's the power of God. It's the dunamis power of God. The might, the energy, the force, the strength of Almighty God to all who believe. Guys, there is power in this message. There is power in this message. I'm not a changed man because of my discipline. I'm not a changed man because of that pretty girl on the front front row. I am a changed man because of the power of Almighty God. Amen? You're not changed because of your discipline. You're not changed because of the things you've done. You're changed because of all he's done for you. Amen? There's power in this gospel. There is power to save. There's power to heal. There's power to deliver. Guys, when we were praying for folks 30 minutes ago in the front of this church, we're not praying in man's power. We're praying in God's power. Somebody's not shaking because I'm pushing them. They're shaking because God is touching them. Amen? There is power in this gospel there is power and you need to live as such and because there's power you don't have to be ashamed power to save all who believe you know i believe some of us are going to be a little shocked one day when we get to heaven and we realize who all made it (laughs) i heard three things that will surprise you when you get to heaven who's there who's not there and that you're there Now, I think the last one, you know, you you get things right, you'll be okay. But I think the first two is a real truth. You'll be surprised at who's there and who's not there. Why? Because we don't understand people's belief. We don't understand truly what people believe. But there is power to those that believe to be saved. Guys, I've led some pretty unworthy folks to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've led some pretty unworthy people in the sinner's prayer. But how can I judge when I myself was so unworthy of God's love, his mercy, and his forgiveness? Guys, our, judge, our job is not to judge. And, and sadly, that's something the church has gotten pretty good at. We're pretty good at judging folks, okay? We can look somebody over and we can kind of sum them up and say, well, that's a good person, that's a bad person, we... we we sometimes uh, uh, confuse um, um, discernment with suspicion. <laughs> A Suspicion. <laughs> no, discernment, discernment comes from God. And, 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 and sometimes we at the church, we're so, mu- we're so quick to judge when that's not our job. Judgment has been given to the Son, Jesus Christ. He makes no mistakes. Our job is to love. Our job is is to do what God has called us to do. Our job is to represent Jesus well, not to judge. So guys, we need to get out of the judging business and get back in the loving business. And guess what? I think all of us will be better off for it. Amen? Think about when you were at your worst. You didn't need somebody to come tell you you were doing wrong. You already knew it. You needed somebody to love you. You needed somebody to give you hope. You needed somebody to tell you that there's a better way. Friends, there is a better way. As Pastor Tommy comes, I close with one final statement that Paul makes, and it's so very, very good. The final phrase that Paul says at the end of this declaration, and it is this The just shall live by faith. You and I, men and women of God, must live by faith. Very simply, The whole life of a believer is to be a life of faith. From beginning faith at conversion to ending faith at death. The beginning of the road, the middle of the road, and the end of the road. Pastor Tommy, you didn't, I mean, Pastor Ronnie, you didn't know you were helping my message. It's all about faith. Wherever you're out in life's journey, it's about faith. The just shall live by faith. It's through this faith journey that the righteousness and holiness of God becomes real in our lives today. Friends, I'm walking this journey of faith as are many of you in here today. Let's make sure that we walk it with the same passion that Paul did. Let's realize that we're debtors. Let's realize that we need to be ready to do what God has called us to do and let us never be ashamed of this gospel because it's the power of God.